Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pad, the definitive show on Airbnb hosting, featuring the best advice on how to maximize profits from your Airbnb listing, as well as real-life experiences from Airbnb hosts all over the world. Welcome. Get paid for your pad. 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 I've begun using a really cool service from Aviva IQ, and it's made my life so much easier. My guests love receiving all the important details about their stay exactly when they need it. And I love all the five-star reviews I'm getting on communication. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Welcome to Get Paid for Your Pet. My name is Jasper, I'm your host, and today I'm co-hosting with David Jacoby. And he is, of course, the president and co-founder of Hostly. David, what's up, man? Hey, Jasper. Boy, it was brutal here in San Francisco. It's the hottest it's ever been, well over 100 degrees. There was a long weekend, Labor Day weekend here, and and everyone was huddled up. Usually Labor Day weekend, everyone loves being outside in San Francisco because most people are at the popular festival Burning Man in Nevada. But it seemed this weekend everyone uh, kind of stayed indoors or, or went to the beach or who knows what, but it was a pretty hot weekend here. Burning Man, have you been? Sure have, Jasper. Have you? I have not, but I I heard some good stories about it. Oh, yes. That's for another podcast, another time. I could go on and on, but it's an amazing, (laughs) beautiful festival. It's 70,000 people. So essentially, it's whatever you want it to be. So you can have late night raves and parties and see sunsets every day, or you can do yoga and personal growth seminars and go to sleep early and wake up early. And it's a little bit of everything. We can't wait to go in a couple of years with our kids. So maybe you'll join us for that, Jasper. Yeah, I would love to join. I've heard some crazy stories, but I'm, I'm never able to do it because I'm always most busy during the weeks of Burning Man. But I was thinking if I rent an RV and I park it at Burning Man, can I rent it out on Airbnb then? at Burning Man? I don't know about that. There's no financial transactions that goes on at Burning Man, except for coffee and ice. Those are the only two things you can pay for. So it'd have to be more of a couch surfing kind of thing versus Airbnb. Mm. Okay. (laughs) Well, we'll see. Anyway, uh, I've just landed in Stockholm last night in Sweden. It's very lovely over here. It's not 100 degrees. It's a little bit colder than that, fortunately, but it's a nice, you know, sort of like 70 degrees, 75 and the sun shining. It's a beautiful city. It's one of my favorite cities in the world. So I'm really excited to be here for a full month. And I didn't have to rent an Airbnb because my good friend who lives here was so generous to offer me a free place to sleep. Nice. Enjoy. I'm jealous. Sounds great. Isn't that nice? So what's going on in the world of Airbnb? Well, of course, we've just had the Labor Day weekend. I think that has had a meant that there's not that much news going on, but we managed to find some interesting stories. And I want to start on a positive note. This is actually, uh, it'll be one of my favorite stories. It's about a, a guy in Tanzania in Africa. 
His name is Godwin Nodossi. I hope I pronounced it right. And he signed up for Airbnb in 2015. He was renting out his family's house and he was charging $15 a night for tourists from all around the world. And the Airbnb experience for him turned out to be quite life-changing, I would say. He uh, he became a super host. He met people from all over the world and he was able to go to university using the proceeds. He uh, ended up being invited by some of his former guests and he stayed in a bunch of countries. He traveled around and stayed with his former guests. He even educated the people in the, in the countries where he was staying about his country and his culture. You know, he's part of the Maasai culture. Yeah, it's, it's a long article. But it's quite cool and inspiring. What do you what do you think? Yeah, very inspiring. It said in his first year alone, he had hosted more than 200 guests. And then he took those earnings and he built a few more homes. On the edges of his backyard, he built three wooden dwellings with thatched roofs, each with a bedroom, kitchen, and bath, more rooms for the guests. And he was charged, as you said, $15 per single room a night. And this was with multiple rooms now. So he really built up the business and he became an inspiration to people in his neighborhood. It seems like they really embraced all the visitors and welcomed them. That's not always the case in other neighborhoods around the world. Uh, and he also kind of used his status for good in terms of finding local volunteering opportunities. So a lot of his guests, they would volunteer and, and support a local orphanage nearby. And he also had other recommendations that he would give out when people are looking for safari and, and stuff like that. And then, as you mentioned, he was able to take some of his earnings, save up and travel to Europe and, and other parts of the world. And, and that was also uh, became an inspiration to his local neighborhood folks. And what's also very cool is that his guests who ended up volunteering, some of these people ended up sponsoring five children to attend an English boarding school in Tanzania. So a lot of good things happened because uh, this 23-year-old guy decided to you know, host on Airbnb, which is pretty awesome. And you know what? I'm looking at the picture of those little houses that he built in his backyard. And I'm thinking, you know, last week I interviewed David from uh, Toronto, who's making a real killing on Airbnb with his wooden lock cabins in his backyard. Maybe this is where he got that idea. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that happening. And you see all those smart homes that you can kind of buy off the shelf. And it's almost like the do it yourself kits where you pay not a ton of money, like 10,000 bucks or 20,000 bucks, where it becomes a nice 300 square foot, 400 square foot studio that has everything you need. And, and now it's in the do it yourself way where you don't need to pay for construction, you can actually configure it and just you got it up and running in your backyard. And just like with David, the return on investment is pretty quick, you know, six months or possibly even less in some cases. Right. And I imagine in Tanzania, they probably don't have too many laws and regulations around building a little house here in your backyard. Because if I look at the picture, it kind of seems like he's kind of like built two on top of each other. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I do not think there's lots of restrictions in that part of the world on Airbnb. So they can probably do whatever they want and offer some pretty cool experiences to their guests. Not only does he recommend things to do, but he even leads some of these activities. You know, he's doing like safari trips to like Serengeti National Park, Mount Kilimanjaro. He's definitely did a, a really good job. 
Awesome. So that's very inspiring for all of us out there. It's not all roses and sunshine in Airbnb world this week, <laughs> because in Miami, there's been uh, some issues. And we all know that in Miami Beach, the regulations around Airbnb are pretty strict and people have been hit with fines. I've never heard of a homeowner getting hit with fines who's not even an Airbnb host. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah, really. And and that's happened in a few different cities. And I know the specific letter of the law in San Francisco is written that way as well. So just to clarify that, the landlord, the owner rented it out to tenants, and then those tenants started doing short-term rentals in Airbnb. And they got caught, so to speak, going against whatever the city regulations were. And even, even if they're not doing the renting, they're the ones that are responsible and they get fined. So in theory, they could probably recoup that money from the tenant who was renting it out. But that's a whole you know, lawsuit and another headache that they need to deal with to get that. It also seems that Airbnb was pretty slow to respond. They, he tried contacting customer service and it took a while until Airbnb finally took the listing down. So even when he notified them that, hey, this is happening illegally and I'm the one getting fined for it, it took some more pulling of teeth to get that down. What's also interesting is that in the first step into uh, resolving this issue was he had to find the actual listing. Right. So this guy is getting a fine for hosting an Airbnb. And then, yeah, he's got to find the listing first. He doesn't even know where the listing is. Right. I mean, obviously, he knows the house, but you have to find the listing. And so, because he has a free bedroom, he was searching on Airbnb for a place for four to six adults. And it took him a long time to find it because when he finally found it, it was listed as a tropical electric home sleeps 12. <laughs> Yeah, you'd think if there's some suspicion that you're you're the homeowner and the place you own is being rented illegally, you should be able to just call or even maybe go online, but at the very least call and say, hey, this is my home. Here's the address. And they could look up the address pretty easily and see if it's on there. They shouldn't make them have to hunt down and find the listing. Yeah, absolutely. Because it took forever for Airbnb to get back. I mean, Airbnb is notoriously slow in getting back to you when there's any issues. I've heard that many, many times. I think that's one of the you know, main improvements that they could be making. But once you get to mainstream media, then that's usually pretty quick. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, you need to make a big stink out of it on Twitter and Facebook and beyond to get noticed, it, it seems, is the case. But also, to be clear, Airbnb isn't the only answer in situations like this as proven it wasn't just on Airbnb, but then it also appeared on another site. And in this case, it was a Vacayo, V-A-C-A-Y-O, which is similar but a little different to Airbnb. But again, like, you know, VRBO and HomeAway and FlipKey, there's just there's tons of listing sites out there. So if you own a home and you're afraid it's being rented out illegally, you need to unfortunately never stop looking and making sure that not only is it on Airbnb or it's not on Airbnb, that it's not on any other platform. Right. And sometimes they're even on on these fake platforms as well. I remember I found my listing in Amsterdam. I found it on a bunch of like copies or clones, or I don't know what it was, but basically people advertising, they're just literally copying your listing and putting it on a website. And then they're telling people to send the money, you know, to send the money by bank wire or something. So then people end up booking and they end up paying, but then there's, you know, they're not mm -hmm. actually going to be able to stay. But what was also interesting about the story is that 
that Fakayu site that you mentioned, apparently that was actually started by the people that were renting this guy's place. These guys were... They, they started that website. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So apparently these guys were involved. Oh, yeah. They were involved mm -hmm. in it. But they yep. were not available for commenting. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise. Yeah, you know, as more and more legislation in different cities get passed, they're looking to previous cities for best practices to see what's worked well and what hasn't. And hopefully it'll get more and more clear that the law will state the owner of the home is not responsible if it's being rented to someone who's doing it on Airbnb and the owner and the tenant have a lease that forbids you being able to do it because, you know, it's not the owner's fault. They're not responsible for for policing the tenant when they already have a lease in place that says what they can and can't do. So hopefully in the future, just the, the tenant will be the one responsible if they're acting illegally. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the last thing that's interesting to note is that Fakayo was recently accepted into a startup accelerator, which is called 500 Startups. And so they're definitely trying to get this platform off the ground, but apparently the people that are uh, behind this uh, try to screw over this landlord. If you're going to rent a place and you want to put it on Airbnb, I think yeah, it's definitely better to just find a landlord who wants to cooperate so that you don't have to do it illegally because this is, this is pretty shitty, you know? Uh, you're renting somebody's place and then the owner gets in trouble. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Exactly. And it's not impossible to find. They're getting more and more popular having Airbnb-friendly places to rent. And there's some companies that are really, we've spoken about this before, some companies that are really uh, helping that ecosystem out, specifically Pillow, which has created a software that makes it easy to communicate between the tenant and the landlord so everyone knows what's going on and when the actual tenant is staying there and when there's guests going on. So it's getting more and more popular. And if it's something that you're serious about doing, it, you, you should be able to find a place where you can negotiate that as part of the lease. Exactly. And if you want to know more about how to set up a business renting places and then putting it on Airbnb, you can listen to episode 175, where I interviewed Eric Muller, who has been very successful in doing this. And he's always, always working together with the landlord. So you, you can be successful in a way that where it's a win-win situation for everybody and nobody has to get screwed over it. Hosts, does it feel like you're spending way too much time responding to questions from your Airbnb guests? Is the fear of a possible bad review keeping you up at night? I recently learned about a really helpful service called Aviva IQ. With Aviva IQ, my workload and worries have reduced dramatically. All I had to do was link my Airbnb listings to Aviva IQ, create my messages and schedule delivery times. That's it. I can't believe how easy it was to set up. Now I can sit back and relax knowing that my guests receive all the important details on time, every time. Everybody sleeps better. Check them out at www.avivaiq.com. Let's see, what's the next topic? Home away. They won a lawsuit. And you know all about that, David, don't you? <laughs> Sure. So high level, there was a lawsuit where a traveler sued HomeAway because there was essentially a fraudulent listing. They, they rented a place on VRBO, which is owned by HomeAway, and paid money. And then it basically fell through. And I'm, I don't think they got their money back. 
And so in addition to, or instead of suing the actual owner of the home, they decided to go after HomeAway. And there is a sort of famous internet law called the Communications Decency Act, and then specifically Section 230 of the CDA, which basically says HomeAway and other websites like eBay and Craigslist, they're just a platform, but they're not responsible for the content that's being put up there. So that's how the judge ruled in HomeAway's favor, saying, no, you can't go after HomeAway. They they were just, you know, the classified section where someone put up their ad for a home. They're not responsible if that's fraudulent. They make it very clear in their terms of services that you need to vet the homeowner and, and you're responsible for, for anything bad that may happen or that homeowner is. It's interesting that they were able to protect themselves. And what I find most interesting, all the legislation that's been going on in San Francisco, HomeAway and Airbnb were trying to use Section 230 of the CDA And it didn't work in that case. The judge basically said, sorry, Airbnb, you're not just a platform because you're actually taking a piece of the financial transaction and you're a lot more involved in the relationship between the guest and the host. So therefore, this doesn't apply to you, Section 230, and you are are on the hook. So there's been precedent kind of going both ways now with HomeAway and Airbnb about whether they really are just a listing platform and they have nothing to do with what happens between the host and the guest, or if they're more than a listing platform and they are more involved and therefore they need to take more of a responsibility. So it'll be interesting over time to see as more lawsuits happen for different reasons, what the general precedent is around whether they're like eBay and Craigslist or, or not. Right. I guess it's a matter of perspective and you can kind of argue both ways. So it's not that surprising that one just says yes and the other one says no, because I know I feel like you can argue both ways. We'll see if we get any more of these, of these lawsuits in the future. So let's go to some questions. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, oh. You forgot the best news uh, article of the week. Come on, Jasper. Oh, tell me, what is it? Well, there's this article in the famous, super popular Huffington Post about a disgruntled ex-stock trader who used Airbnb to create a jet-setting lifestyle. Uh, It's a pretty (laughs) cool feature, of course, of the one and only Jasper Rivers. Congratulations, Jasper, for having this pretty impressive feature in the Huffington Post. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, it's funny because I actually have a long-term friend. His name is Danny Flood, and I've actually interviewed him on my podcast. He runs a, a magazine called Open World Magazine. And I didn't even notice, but he became a contributor for the Huffington Post, which is interesting because I don't know how you become a contributor to the Huffington Post, but it's pretty cool. And he he decided to run this interview series that he called the Changemaker Interview Series, where he interviews online entrepreneurs who have uh, sort of veered away from the traditional path, ended up doing something that's uh, a little different from the nine to five. And so we're having a lot of fun with it. And so he asked me uh, to do this interview. And um, yeah, it was pretty fun. I actually spent a lot of time writing it. He sent it back to me a couple of times and he was like, no, it's not good enough yet. So (laughs) (laughs) I actually, you know, I I spent a lot of time on it. Yeah, it it was cool. What's also funny is that I posted it on my Facebook and then I got some negative reactions actually from somebody in Holland. He's the head editor of a magazine in Holland, and he's been one of the main critics of Airbnb in Holland for a long time, for about three years or so. 
he wrote an article in 2014 about uh, sort of the negative effects uh, in his eyes that Airbnb had on the city. And he actually posted it on Twitter and he was saying that he thought it was kind of like shameless to do Airbnb. I did it for a while. I did it against the rules, right? You know, the funny thing is that I actually wrote him a message and I and I actually interviewed him. So he's going to be on the podcast on Monday, which is pretty cool because, nice. because you know, obviously everybody is a proponent of Airbnb, the people that I interview and the the people in this podcast usually, right? But I've never really had somebody who's critical of Airbnb. And I have to say, he had some pretty decent arguments. So yeah, it's a funny little detail. Well, that's great. Looking forward to listening to that. But back to you, I must admit, I was very impressed with the writing of the article. So it makes sense that it went back and forth a bunch of times on some edits. And just like we talked about with the guy in Tanzania, you know, you are another inspirational story. I know you're, you're fairly shy and, and humble. So I'll put it out there. But everyone go and, and read the story about you having a successful career in finance, but not necessarily being personally fulfilled and leaving that job to travel around the world and using Airbnb to help pay for that finances of traveling. But most impressively, what I really liked about it was your focus on personal growth and always trying to be a better you. And, and just as I've gotten to know you over the past year, all the seminars that you've taken that you talk about and the coaching that you do, it seems like you're just on a never ending journey to be a better person. And it's very inspirational. And it's cool that Airbnb has a little piece of that. But it is mostly you. If there was an Airbnb, I'm sure you'd find another way to live that lifestyle. So, <laughs> so kudos to you and congratulations on uh, living your dream. Yeah, thank thank you very much, David. No, I mean it's uh definitely when I got the opportunity. You don't get the opportunity to be in the Huffington Post every day, and so when I got the opportunity, I figured you know I, I want to write something that you know not only tells the story, but you know hopefully can serve as an inspiration to other people who are trying to achieve whatever it may be. It doesn't have to be traveling around the world, of course. Like everybody has their own ambitions, but what I've seen and what I've learned over the last few years is that you can actually kind of train yourself and you can do things that make it more likely that you'll actually achieve those things. And so if I can, you know, be a little tiny little piece of help for somebody out there, that would be awesome. Anyway, let's hey, uh, let's move on to question because you know before we're running out of time, I did want to answer one question that we got from one of the listeners, and the question is: Can you give me an idea how much you spent on furnishing your Airbnbs, and where do you get the furniture from? Now, I can't really comment on that because the place that I rented out in Amsterdam, I originally bought the furniture and and bought the house to live in there, not to rent it out in Airbnb, but Episode 175, already mentioned it. Eric Miller has some good recommendations. So I am going to provide his recommendations. So he was saying, because he does a lot of these things, he says, hire a local interior designer. And then he recommends to buy artwork from local shops so that you don't have to spend too much. Decorate around a theme for better looking results. So just don't randomly just buy a bunch of stuff and put it together. You know, really try to come up with a theme. That way, I think you stand out more on the Airbnb platform. And he recommends to budget about $5,000 to $7,000 for the furniture and the painting. And that might sound like not a lot of money, but if you buy your furniture from places like Ikea, for example, which happens to be the place where I bought all my furniture 10 years ago when I bought my house, but you can also buy your furniture from secondhand stores. Often there's a lot of furniture that's still pretty decent, especially if you're going through maybe like a little 
older type of theme. Uh, you might find some antique stuff in the secondhand shops. And that way you can furnish your place in a stylish way, but still not spend too much money. Yeah, I like what you said about themes and going a little over the top, but it's good branding. I remember seeing some themes like a Star Wars room and a Super Mario Brothers room where like, you know, everything was all Star Wars. The sheets were Star Wars or Star Wars posters. Same thing with Super Mario Brothers. And that's, you know, obviously a little over the top on the one hand. But on the other hand, it's a great way to brand themselves and differentiate themselves from all the other listings out there. So if there's something quirky like that, or if it's a, a specific city or, or a town that you live in that's known for something, like if it's maybe in a ski area, you just have different ski posters and skis, uh, old skis hanging on the wall and stuff like that. And then you can really get a nice niche for yourself. That five to $7,000 range, I think it really varies depending on what kind of place you have. Is it a private home? Is it a, a room in a shared home? And you know how upscale or not is it? But the one thing to keep in mind as you're buying everything, it's basically around 30% off because you can use it as a business deduction. So when you're paying your taxes, you can expense all this and, and have it go against the revenue that you're making from your place. So keep that in mind. Anything you buy, you get a nice discount. Not just for furniture, but ongoing stuff too, like paper towels and toilet paper and, and other stuff like that. That's a very good point, David. And with that, I think we've come to the end of this episode. The time always flies, especially when I'm talking to you, David. Thank you very much for joining today. I hope it has cooled down a little bit in San Francisco so that you don't get too overheated. Yes, we've turned a corner now. Okay, great. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And on Monday, I will interview... Uh, a very interesting person who has a uh, more critical opinion about Airbnb. So I definitely recommend you listen to that one. So I hope to see you then. Get paid for your pet. 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 Get paid for your pet.